if you think about it right now, like, anyone basically can pick up a phone and ask Siri what five times seven is, right? And Siri's going to give you the answer. What we need our kids to do and what everyone needs to be able to do to be a mathematician is understand what a reasonable answer is, right? So when, when Siri says it's 35,000, you're like, wait a minute. That's not right. I must have said something wrong. I input something wrong in this. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And on today's podcast, we're investigating the development of young mathematicians and the role that technology and blended learning plays in this process. Let's start with what we know about mathematicians in today's world. And for that, we go to David Woods. My name is David Woods. I'm the curriculum manager at Dreambox Learning. We asked David to sort of set the stage. If you think about it right now, like, anyone basically can pick up a phone and ask Siri what five times seven is, right? And Siri's going to give you the answer. What we need our kids to do and what everyone needs to be able to do to be a mathematician is understand what a reasonable answer is. And we also need to agree on what math is, right? It's not a bunch of things to remember. Professional mathematicians, the good ones or whatever, they don't get there by like having the best memory and reading the most math books or watching the most math lectures, they get there by figuring things out and demonstrating how they arrived at those conclusions so they can continue to apply them. So we have to agree on what math is. Math is not something, hey, remember this rule, remember this formula. It's about understanding and building. We want students to think that they invented these formulas. They discovered them. Right, like not be told this is what the formula is for solving the area of a triangle. We want to lead them in them, guide them to that understanding. Um, so technologies have a great opportunity to engage students in those same tasks. Next, we want to learn more about the skills that are needed to be a mathematician, especially a young mathematician. And for that, we called on Aubrey Short. My name is Aubrey Short, and I am one of two math curriculum specialists for our district here at Tulare City Schools. Um, we have about 10,000 students, and I work with about 400 teachers, helping them with um, professional development for math. Um, for I also work with students in the classroom. Anything related to math, that's really my forte. And then also, not only do um, we also are all technology specialists, so we work with implementing online programs and even all of our um, other programs that don't pertain to math. I work with our data managing system and um, our curriculum managers. I asked Aubrey about the skills that she felt were critical for her district's math students. I hope that our younger math students um, develop a growth mindset where they they are excited about a challenge, that they are persevering through problems, that they're not afraid to dig in, they're not afraid to problem solve, and that they see math as something that everybody can tackle. And that um, through all of that, they, they they build number sense and really have an understanding for for patterning. And they're excited about math and that they don't have that, you know, fixed mindset that they're not good at it. Number sense came up when I was talking with David as well. And I was interested to hear what that looks like from a blended classroom perspective. Number sense is huge. Uh, I, I mean, I, we can't. Under, or overstate it, right? Um, take, for example, when we're working with students on 10 structure, um, and we start a student with six counters in their 10 frame, and we ask them to build 10. Um, some students drag one counter over at a time, and they build 10, and other students will pull two over at a time, 
and count six, eight, ten. Each one of those those representation representation shows us a different understanding of um, of ten structure. We can also take an example, like if we ask a student to build nine with those same counters. If a student pulls one over nine times versus a student who puts ten over and takes one away, one is showing a deeper, stronger number sense, and the other one is still working on one-to-one -one correspondence. Um, so w w this is an opportunity. This is what a teacher would look for in the classroom. It just makes it darn near impossible to assess 28 students formatively on how they're doing that in the moment, right? And that's where technology can really come into play to help assess for number sense. So again, we shift that assessment from, hey, yeah, they built nine, they built what we were asked them to do, but how did they do it? That's what represents um, students, how students represent a deeper understanding. I then asked David to expand on what the assessment of number sense might look like. That's part of our assessment. That, that's what we'll, when we're assessing it, that's how we determine um, in that example, what problem to give the student next, or what lesson to go to, or what, what feedback to provide the student. You know, in, in that scenario, we might say, "Yeah, that's right," but can you try that in fewer moves? Ah. Again, we're not we're not telling them. Yeah, you can do that by putting five up and then four up. We're saying, think about what you did. Now try to do it with less moves. So we try to change the situation on them. Um, there's a a blog that I, I follow, this. I'm sure you've heard of him, but I'll reference it anyway, and I don't know if I can reference it. For the record, I did reach out to Dan, and he was totally cool with us mentioning the blog. If you don't already follow Dan, you should. You can find him on Twitter at ddmeyer. It's Dan Meyer. Okay. And he's got a blog, and one of, one of them was around, uh, it, it, if you think of math strategies that we're trying to teach students or we're trying to help students learn, think of them as aspirin. And if you think of that math strategy as aspirin, you need to give the student a headache so they need to use the strategy. You can't just tell them some arbitrary situation and then they'll all of a sudden that need is there. So as an example, like when we're having students um, build nine in the fewest amount of moves, that's the situation where we're trying to get the need to change their strategy. Um, and we'll, we'll do that in different ways. So again, we just try to change this context on them apply their previous knowledge to see if they can discover a new strategy or, or, or a new um, way of showing their work. When you're trying to battle the stigmas of math class, it's super important to understand where each and every student is at and help them see and celebrate their individual progress. We almost want to try and get them to be addicted to that feeling of growth and the ability to solve a, a difficult problem. And data-driven instruction becomes a huge element to really truly personalizing the experience for our students. We look at data to drive our instruction. So looking at each individual student's scores and then doing some instructional planning. What do these kids need? Um, how could I work with these students? So I think looking at data is really important, but data in the sense that we're also looking at student work. So we have what we call LFCs, um, learning-focused conversations, where the teachers get together and they compare um, actual student work on a math task, and they analyze the work and say, you know, well, I think the kids, you know, they each bring what they think would be a top notch, you know, like a four, that this kid exceeded standards. And then we ask them to bring one that met and then one that was below, and then have a conversation to make sure that are we all on the same page as what we're considering exceeded and met the standards, and so on. And then from there, we have conversations about what are we going to do next for the kids who aren't meeting standards? What are we going to do to challenge the kids who are? And so on. So I think that that's 
another way that we kind of use data in our um, in our blended program. We talk about learning opportunities can be engineered. We can we can design these things and account for them for every learner. Or, or you know, when we get into differentiation or personalization, we need to be thinking about what what is the thing that this student is showing us right now, and what should we be doing with that. So it sounds like the skills we're looking to develop are really centered around creativity and problem solving, the development of this growth mindset that allows and encourages students to persist through even the most challenging problems, and the ability to make really strong connections, both between and among content, but also to the outside world. My next question for these two was, how do you support the development of these skills? In our district, we do a lot of professional development. We do a lot of book studies. And I think that focusing on the math practice standards or the standards for mathematical practice are super important to develop a growth mindset, to develop perseverance, to develop problem solvers. And so we typically provide professional development with our teachers all related around the practice standards and how they can do activities um, each day that are short and simple, um, establishing a routine where students, regardless of their um, their level or their skills, can um, be part of that experience. And so, you know, my, I guess my advice when I work with teachers or I work with my colleagues is really focusing more on those practice standards versus the content. I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the content, but we don't give kids time to discourse and to be um, inquisitive. So I think that focusing on those standards would, and providing that professional development to teachers really helps them change the mindset of their students. We're a number talk district, so any type of number talks or a math talk would be fabulous, where you give kids time to think mentally about math and describe the different strategies that they used. I mean, you can start with the uh, math practices, whether it's CCSS or, you know, NCTM math practices or process standards. Um, Those are a lot of our focal points because we want students to actively make sense of things. We want them to be looking for the relationships and structures within the problems, look for patterns. Um, And we really do equate it to, you know, the best or the most engaging video games, right? They don't have a video lecture before the student starts doing something. You know, you go into Super Mario World or there's not a video that shows you how to pass the level. You kind of go through it and you've, um, we, we call it, and I'm sure other people, or this isn't like a, word Dreambox came up with, but a productive struggle. Um, So we try to find that point where how can we have just the right amount of struggle where it encourages that thinking, and you cannot, we could actually jump back to like that headache. We want to give the student a headache a little bit um, to where they have to think and apply uh, the mathematics that they're working on. So we have to be really thoughtful about um, how we're designing the lessons for students to have their own realizations so that they own the learning. And we have to balance that with if they continually, if it moves past productive struggle into frustration and now they don't want to do it anymore or we, you know, kill the confidence. So we're trying to find that gray area or that overlapping where, yeah, you got a couple wrong, but you're, you're showing us what you're thinking and let's build you back up and change the situation on you. This really connects to that idea of growth mindset, which Aubrey puts at the very top of her list for skills that all young mathematicians need. First, 
and foremost, whenever I work with any students, I really think that a skill they need to have is a growth mindset. So what I always tend to do, I go in classrooms a lot because I like to get firsthand experience with um, students because if I'm going to be working with teachers, I think I need to have that experience to help them learn. So I always start with, you know, mis- mis- I love mistakes and they help make your minds grow. And so I think a lot of times, even in the young, in the younger grades, students feel like they're not good at math or math is difficult. And so I want them to feel like, hey, anybody can do math and I'm, I'm good at math. And so that's, I think the number one thing is their mindset. A lot of kids have a fixed mindset. And so I always work on that first. And then secondly, um, I want them to develop perseverance and be accepting to challenges. And again, that's all feeding off of a growth mindset. But I want them to be problem solvers and I want them to enjoy math and realize that anybody can engage. Both David and Aubrey agree that technology has changed the game for math education. Technology has a strong opportunity to uh, allow students to to move from that spectator in the crowd into directly on the field as it pertains to mathematics. Um, so if we can if we can leverage technology to where students are active, um, too many times technology can replace. You know, we try to avoid slower and louder, and now that's being replaced with pause and rewind. Um, with technology, where it can really fit in with math is, hey, show us what you're thinking, and then let's change that situation on you and see if what you previously thought understood would, would continue to apply in that new scenario. With technology at every student's fingertips, the curriculum and the way we teach mathematics has really changed. I believe that students are now given experiences that they didn't have before, when you throw in technology, um, we have programs in our district that differentiate for each student, so they're getting skills that they specifically need, which I think is important. I think technology and blended learning has really helped students um, foster creativity, and I think it allows um, them to be ready for college and career in a way that they never have before. So I think that although using the technology is extremely important, I also feel that it should never actually replace the teacher and that the teacher still has a strong role in the classroom. So I feel like it's great, but at the same time, um, the instruction as a teacher becoming a facilitator is extremely important and that I don't feel, I feel that technology should never replace the teacher. They also agree that there's a lot to be excited about the future of math education. I'll start with, uh, we're seeing more and more commitment to differentiation. Um, Getting away from, okay, here is a group of kids that were all born between August and April 11 years ago, so this is what they're supposed to know, right? We're moving away from this birthday idea and more into, hey, what are you ready for? Because we're not all ready for the same lesson on the same day. We, every student is a little bit different on their learning path. So uh, that encourages me a great amount. And the reflection of that, where we're seeing it, is teachers are building toolboxes of resources. We're seeing less of a one-size-fits-all. Like, well, I've got my textbook, and this is what I teach. We're seeing more, uh, you open up that toolbox of resources, and I'm going to use this for this student, and this for this lesson, or this other resource for this. Um, there, we like to say, you know, if you, if you only ever have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So we want 
people that have, and we're seeing teachers have uh, just the amount of resources out there for them to put together a toolbox is very encouraging. Um, the the communities of connecting math teachers, you know, sharing lessons and, and um, ideas, whether it's in the, like the math Twitter blogosphere, or um, it's just really the world is getting more flat. Blended learning to me is a combination of technology enhanced curriculum where students um, are given opportunities to be creative, but it also can be um, individualized where they can work at their own pace and their own level. Um, that's what I, I, I feel like blended learning should be. It should be a combination of getting feedback and um, from your teacher and not be something that kids do in isolation. It should also, blended learning should also allow collaboration, whether it's within your own classroom, the local community, or even the global community. I think that's where blended learning can be so powerful because you can communicate with students across the world. Um, and then how has it changed? I think that's one of the big ways that it's changed. Technology gives us the, the ability to have a Google Hangout with somebody who's, you know, in Africa or, you know, a school, another school within the district. And we've had students communicate and um, have conversations across the district or have pen pals in another state where they could um, talk to each other. So I think that it's really allowed us to connect more globally and um, give us opportunities that we wouldn't have before. So I think that when learning has really changed math instruction and the fact that we can see simulations now, we can really dig into more real-world math where before we were, you know, just looking at a textbook and doing problems out of a textbook, but now we can be a lot more creative, not only as students, but as teachers of how we like how we deliver instruction. What I love about all of this is that it changes the perception of math classrooms and math education in general. When we really focus in on developing a deep love for solving problems, we open so many doors for our students, all of our students. I want to say a huge thank you to David and Aubrey for sharing their insight and expertise, but also to Dreambox Learning for not only sponsoring this podcast, but also for celebrating the work of educators who are actively engaged in cultivating young mathematicians. In celebration of 10 years of success, Dreambox presented 10 blended learning educators with the Dreambox Learning Hero Award. Aubrey Short was one of those educators. To learn more about Dreambox and the Dreambox Learning Heroes, go to dreambox.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Megan, signing off.